0: Hi everyone, it's Jeannie, Pistol Packin' Mountain Mama Health Nut. Welcome to Throw Out the Trash. Today, in the All Things Health segment, I'd like to talk about bottled water. It's been a hot topic for quite a while now, and like most everything, there's two sides, good and bad, so I'll dive into that. And of course, as promised, I'll give you two more weight loss tips. The first is about finding out what triggers you to overeat or to grab that candy bar. And the second tip is about getting enough sleep. In our hurried-up world, it can be challenging, but I'll give you a few tips to help with that. And keep listening to my second segment I call Mountain Adventures, where I share a story about the first year my husband Nick and I lived on our cattle ranch, completely off-grid, and having to deal with lots and lots of mud. There was mud everywhere. We didn't foresee the mess we would have to deal with. But first, I'd like to mention a sponsor for my podcast, 3 International, a nutritional company that specializes in high-quality supplements made from whole foods that have excellent absorption and bioavailability at the cellular level, and this is so important. Now, I personally use these products, and I can honestly say I feel better than I've ever had before, and also I haven't been sick since I started taking them. Now, you can check out my website, genieolson.iii.earth, to research and purchase these products, and also check out the show notes to see how you can buy all of them at the wholesale price. Growing up in the 1970s, soda pop came in glass bottles, and you could return the bottles to the store, and you could get five cents back for each bottle. And in the early 1980s, playing sports, I really don't remember having a lot of plastic bottles around to use, We used the drinking fountain out in the hall by the gym. And then when the 90s rolled around, I remember seeing my niece carrying a plastic bottle of water with her for volleyball practice, one she had bought at the store and would most likely throw in the garbage when it was empty. But the 90s is when disposable plastic bottles started to become more prominent, thanks to Nestle's, who makes chocolate candy, by the way. They started bottling water, and this created a water industry. And it still amazes me that water was once free. And of course, the mainstream media bought into this idea and started telling us that drinking fountains were gross and full of bacteria, and single-use bottled water was safer. As a kid, I drank out of a garden hose, and I seemed to be fine. (laughs) Well, for the most part. Don't ask my family anyway. But today, there are those who say bottled water is completely safe, and then there's those who say it's not. So let's dive into both arguments. Now if you go to the FDA.gov, they of course are doing everything they can to keep our drinking water safe. According to an article by the FDA titled, Bottled Water Everywhere, Keeping It Safe, there's two agencies that work together to keep our water safe. One is the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which regulates bottled water products, and the other is of course the FDA. Who protects consumers through the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act? This act makes the manufacturers responsible for producing, and I quote, safe, wholesome, and truthfully labeled food products. There are three regulations that bottled water must include, and this is according to the FDA. And they are standard of identity, meaning the different types of bottled water, and then there's standard of quality which sets the maximum level of contaminants allowed, like chemicals, physical contaminants, microbial, and radiological. And here's a thought. How about no contaminants? And lastly, current good manufacturing practices, meaning the water has to be bottled under sanitary conditions. The FDA also describes bottled water as water that's intended for human consumption, sealed in bottles or containers with no added ingredients. Except antimicrobial agents, and fluoride. Now I already see a problem with the fluoride. But anyway, the water can come from artesian wells, mineral water, spring water, and well water. Spring water is water that comes from underground and flows naturally to the surface. And this is the kind of water at my house. And we do filter it though. And then there's other sources of water that come from the tap or public or municipal drinking water. One problem with tap water is that it may come through lead pipes, which can put lead in your water. But going back to the fluoride, it bothered me, so I researched it further, and I came across an article by Harvard Public Health titled, Is Fluoridated Drinking Water Safe? And this article says it used to be helpful to add fluoride to drinking water because it helped prevent tooth decay. However, today, due to toothpaste and mouthwashes, you know, etc., that they have fluoride in them, that we're now being exposed to high levels of fluoride, and this can cause white spots, staining, or even pitting on the tooth enamel. And it can also become concentrated in bones, stimulating bone cell growth, altering the tissue structure and weakening the bones. And The most worrisome is research that says high levels may be toxic to brain health and nerve cells. It's interesting to note that several years ago, the U.S. Public Health Service lowered the recommended levels of fluoride in drinking water, and I think that's a good thing. And lastly, the FDA feels they're doing a good job because they oversee inspections of bottling plants. Now this raised a red flag for me, because it seems to be a common practice that different industries and and companies tend to buy the FDA, and then the FDA looks the other way. Now that's just my opinion. So, we have the federal government overseeing our drinking water, but why do other non-government agencies feel that bottled water is a health hazard? So let's start with the plastic bottles themselves, which includes not only bottled water, but soda pop and other products in plastic bottles. According to an article from grist.org titled, Plastic Bottles Found to Harm Human Health at Every Stage of Their Life Cycle, which was published May 23rd, 2023, so just recently. This article says that plastic bottles consist of PET, which stands for polyethylene terephthalate, and these bottles leach chemicals into the beverage. One chemical is called antimony trioxide, which is a cancer-causing catalyst used to speed up the production of the plastic. And apparently these bottles are in high demand because over half a trillion bottles a year are produced. And today, Coca-Cola is the leader, along with PepsiCo and then, of course, Nestle. Other sources tout health concerns like cleanwater.org. According to them, in the production process, there are small micro pieces of plastic debris, called microplastics, that are left in the water after production. Research also shows that PET may be an endocrine disruptor, altering our hormones. Apparently chemicals from the bottles can seep into the water, especially when exposed to high temperatures or stored for extended periods of time. Other health problems from the bottles themselves is that some are manufactured using BPA. Now this has been banned in many countries, and that's because of its toxicity, which is linked to fertility issues, altered brain development, cancer, and heart complications. And none of these are minor issues. Now how about the water itself? Is there any problems with it? According to an article in drinkflowwater.com, now they sell faucet filters, by the way, so they might be a little biased, but they say that after evaluating 18 different water products, one study found nearly 25,000 chemicals in bottled water, including E. coli, which causes gastrointestinal problems, vomiting, diarrhea, headaches, and fatigue. And mold was also found as well as benzene, which is a known carcinogen. I wouldn't doubt that all of these would be found in the water because I think some companies will put any kind of water in the bottles just to get a piece of the market. What's disturbing is that although the FDA says they regulate our bottled water, it's still not mandatory for corporations to conduct lab tests or inform consumers where their water originates. What is concerning is about not disclosing where the water comes from, is that many companies just use um, tap water or city water, and, you know, both of those have issues. I looked at the label on a bottled water that I purchased, and the brand name was Pure Life. I'm not picking on them, that's just the one that I happen to have and it did say that the source of the water is public water supply and the fact that they put that on there is good. But I wasn't really happy that it was coming out of public water supply, but they did say that. And then I went and looked at the ingredients and the ingredients surprised me as well. And I'll list the ingredients and go through them with you. The first one is purified water. So what does purified mean? It means the water has been filtered or processed to remove impurities like chemicals. So far, so good. The next ingredient is less than 0.5% calcium chloride. So what is that? It's a salt that improves the water's quality by also removing impurities. However, high amounts can lead to gastrointestinal problems and kidney stones. The next ingredient is sodium bicarbonate. And that is basically baking soda, and is commonly used to neutralize acidic solutions. And the last ingredient is magnesium sulfate, which is epsom salts or bath salts. And those are drying agents, which might explain why you have a dry mouth after drinking the water. And it can also be used as a laxative, so there's that. Whatever happened to good old water, with maybe just some natural minerals in it, now, there's a few brands out there that have this, but you just have to take a few minutes and look for them. So, what should you drink instead of bottled water? Well, it's filtered water, and I would invest in some kind of filtration system that goes on your tap at home. Now, some can be pricey, but there's others that are not too much money, so you'll have to do your homework and find one that works best for you and your budget. Now, what should you use in place of plastic? For now I would say glass, like if you're drinking it at home and then if you're gonna go out and about or to work or whatever I would maybe use stainless steel. During my research one of the main issues that I found is leaving the water or the liquid in the container for too long or out in the hot sun where leaching can occur. But you have to have something to drink, right? So my suggestion would be don't leave the liquid in the bottle for too long Besides, you need the hydration, right? And it doesn't do you any good staying in the container. Now, there may be times when you just need to buy a bottled water. I went to the store and looked at a lot of different brands, and almost all of them had the same ingredients as I listed earlier, mostly salt and baking soda. And they like to call those electrolytes. Most of the bottles of water I looked at just had a statement saying go to a website to see information about the quality of the water. Now, to be honest, who will actually do that? Because I won't. So, just like everything else, make sure to read the labels and then find out the source of where the water comes from and whether or not anything is added. Your only other recourse is just to go find a crick and stick your head in it. No, I'm kidding, which you don't want to do that because you can get very sick doing that. In Idaho, you can get what we call Rocky Mountain Trots, where you trot back and forth to the bathroom a lot. (laughs) But remember, the key is to not drink the water in a bottle if it's been sitting in your hot car all day or in the hot sun for sure. And then you don't want anything extra added to the water. Okay, now onto my top weight loss tip. This is number 15, and I call it Triggers. And I want to know, what triggers you to eat that donut or down a carton of ice cream? Why do you reach for an extra scone or have another bagel? And why can't you say no when someone offers you a slice of cake? And these are good questions to ask yourself. Is it because you had a stressful week? Or someone said something to you at work that upset you and ice cream has always been your comfort food? I know people who associate drinking coffee with having to smoke a cigarette or just by going to a party, you have to have the chips with the Diet Coke. For some of you, watching TV may trigger you to go for the snacks. Is it something about the environment you're in or something from your childhood? I remember growing up and smelling my mom's hot scones cooking in the kitchen and her love for us as she served them. So for me, scones bring back wonderful memories. I'm not saying that you can't eat scones or enjoy a treat once in a while, but for weight loss, if once in a while means every day, then it would help to figure out what it is that makes you go back for seconds and then try and find a way to stop it. One of the most helpful things is to have something to divert your attention off of the food and onto something else, or adjust your routine so you're not tempted by the food in question. This is something you will have to figure out And I encourage you to take some time and think about it, and then come up with a plan so you're not tempted. Okay, my weight loss tip number 16 is get enough sleep. Now this one isn't new, but it's still really important. And you need to make it a priority to get at least 7 or 8 hours every night. Sleep is when your body will slow down and repair itself. And there are a few things you can do every day to help with this. First and foremost, have the same routine every day. It's surprising just how well your body will adjust to it. And some helpful tips are go to bed the same time every night. Don't drink any form of caffeine after 1 or 2 p.m. in the afternoon. No alcohol, and I know you might be saying that it helps you to calm down, but it also worsens your quality of sleep, and it's not beneficial for weight loss, which I'll talk about that in another episode. Make sure to get your exercise in. There's a debate out there as to whether you should exercise in the morning or evening. I for one say it doesn't matter. It all depends on your schedule and how you feel. I have a routine I follow pretty much every night. It starts with a hot shower and lowering the lighting and then reading. It takes about an hour and by the time I'm ready for bed, I've calmed down from the rush of the day and I'm more relaxed. So find your routine and then stick to it. Okay, I hope you found this All Things Health segment helpful. Please share it with someone who you think might benefit from it. And as always, I have a Facebook page called Throw Out the Trash where you can post your struggles and victories and you can also be part of a community. So I hope to see you there. Now, on to Mountain Adventures. Living off-grid in the Rocky Mountains of East Idaho has its challenges, but it's a life I love. Things are just harder, and Mother Nature always has the last say. When my husband Nick and I first moved to our ranch, let's just say it was rugged. And by that I mean, we didn't have a lawn yet, or a sidewalk, or even a gravel driveway. In fact, the two-mile road that leads to our ranch from the main highway wasn't even graveled. It was just a narrow two-track dirt road and it still is today but we do have some rock and gravel on it now. And if the road is to be maintained we have to do it ourselves. Now the county will come and grade it once or twice in the summer and after that it's our responsibility. In the winter we have to keep the snow plowed away with our own equipment. It wouldn't be that bad but just before our house is a steep dugway and if it's muddy or drifted in with snow You have to have four-wheel drive vehicles to make it up to the hill to our house. The first winter we lived here on our ranch was really mild. In fact, it's never been that mild since. Last winter, we had about 12 feet of snow that fell, and of course it settled down to about 6 or 7 feet, but still we had a lot of snow. We had this one storm where 2 feet of snow fell within 24 hours, and we were socked in. It took us two days to shovel ourselves out. But back to the mild winter we had when we first lived here. By a mild winter, I mean we didn't have a lot of snow, maybe one or two feet. And it was good because our road stayed open and we didn't need to plow it. But it also meant that we had a lot of rain. This meant that our road was completely muddy and slick. And we had two ruts in the road, and if you got out of them, you were stuck. And this meant walking back to the house to get a tractor. And because it was so slick and muddy, we would just four-dig all the way to the highway, spinning the entire time. Once in a while, a light would come on on the dash, and we'd have to stop and wait for everything to cool down. Nick and I still laugh about the time that I was driving. It was Valentine's Day, and we were going to a Valentine's Day dinner. By February, the ruts in the road were pretty deep, about a foot deep, so sliding out of them were near impossible and we were slowly making our way to the highway, and it was going well, but I could hear the mud packing onto and under my little Ford Explorer pickup. All oh, that made me cringe. We were about halfway down the road when Nick, with all of his infinite wisdom, calmly told me, Whatever you do, don't get out of the ruts. I looked over at him and stared at him for just a second and said, Oh, Really? Well, great advice since they're so deep, I couldn't if I wanted to. When we did finally make it onto the highway, though, we realized our pickup was totally covered with thick, slimy mud. And I didn't want to go to the dinner with a muddy vehicle like that. What would they think? So the plan was to go to the car wash, the do it yourself car wash. Now we were dressed nice. I was in a dress, and Nick had on slacks, a white shirt, and a tie. It didn't dawn on us that as he sprayed the mud off of the pickup, it splattered all over his clothes. There wasn't an inch of his clothes that wasn't covered with spots of mud. Well, we couldn't go to the dinner like that, so the next brilliant plan was to go to the laundromat. (laughs) You know, sometimes you make decisions that, looking back, you would never do again, like going to the car wash and the laundromat. Of course, for me to wash his clothes, he had to take them off. So he slipped into the back seat, and he handed me the pants and shirt. Now it was dark outside, so no one could see him. And into the laundry mat I headed. Now I know we were running behind, and we would be late to the dinner, so I took it upon myself to update Nick about every ten minutes on when the clothes would be washed and dried. So I would go out to the pickup and open the door and tell him how things were going. Now finally the clothes were clean and he was dressed again. And we headed straight for the dinner and we was about 45 minutes late, but still welcomed by our friends. Later I casually mentioned that I thought we had done well getting his clothes clean and making it to the dinner okay. And that's when he matter-of-factly told me, Well, yeah, except the part where you kept coming out to the pickup and opening the door, and the dome light kept coming on, and everyone could see me in my underwear? Oh yeah, about that. (laughs) Well, when we finally got home that night and somehow had managed to make it back up the steep dugway, we still couldn't make it up a smaller hill that goes to our house. So we had to park our vehicle below the gates and entrance to our property. We had to do this for most of the winter. We would change our shoes and put on rubber boots and then hike up to the house. This particular night, it was very dark outside, no moon, but lots and lots of stars, and all we had was a small flashlight that shone maybe ten feet ahead of us, because we have no yard lights, so we have to use a flashlight. Now our kids, Jason and Katie, were old enough to stay home by themselves. The chances of them going anywhere was zero because of the mountain lions and wolves that sometimes like to roam into the yard. In fact, when they got older, we knew that they would never sneak out of the house at night just because of that. So they saw Nick and I driving up the road. They could see our headlights the minute we turned off of the highway and onto our road. So they watched patiently as we parked the pickup and turned the headlights off. And then they waited until they could see our little flashlight making its way slowly up the hill. And then they quietly opened the living room window and started howling like a wolf. We just about jumped out of our skin. Sometimes when you hear a wolf howl that means it's summoning the rest of the pack and most likely you're their dinner. We stopped dead in our tracks and Nick grabbed my arm. What should we do? Could I even run in a dress with rubber boots that had so much mud packed on them I could hardly lift my feet? We stood really still and listened again for the wolf. And that's when we heard it. Snickering, coming out of the house. Jason and Katie were laughing so hard. Oh, those little twerps, they got us good. They have never let us forget that night. It certainly was a night to remember. But hey, there is never a dull moment at the Enbaro Ranch. Remember this. When you've done everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't. He loves you. See Kim first in all your ways. I promise you won't be disappointed. See you next time.